It's not printed in the bulletin, but we have a gospel reading for today. And so I invite you to stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel. At the end, I will say, this is the gospel of the Lord, and your response is, praise to you, O Christ. So let's try it one time. This is the gospel of the Lord. You guys are professionals. Okay. From John chapter 14, verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Amazed and perplexed, those on the first day gathered at the first Pentecost said to one another, what does this mean? What does it mean that the Holy Spirit rested upon those early believers? What does it mean that there were people from all over the world gathered on that day? What does it mean, not just for them living way back then, but what does it mean for us living today? That's the question. What does the day of Pentecost mean for us, for you and me? Well, I think all of us know what Christmas is about. We know that that's about Jesus' incarnation. Jesus put on flesh to become like us to save us. We know what Easter is about. That's Jesus' resurrection. Because he rose from the dead, we too will rise from the dead. But what does the Holy Spirit coming to us on Pentecost, what's that about? Why is that good news for you and for me? What does this day really mean for us? Thankfully, we're not left to guess. Because in this chapter, Peter, you know Peter, St. Peter stands up and preaches his first sermon, explaining to us what the day of Pentecost is really about. And so in chapter 2, verse 14, we hear these words of Acts, chapter 2, verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. I always like that. I don't know why, but... (laughs) No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days... God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, it's that last phrase. On the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. It's that sentence that's so important for us. 
Let's look at it for a minute, because each phrase helps us understand what the day of Pentecost is really about. In the last days. In other words, there's been a change. We're living in the last days. The last days are marked between Jesus' first coming, incarnation, and Jesus' second coming. We're in the last days, and in this period... It's the period of salvation. It's the time of salvation. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, the writer says this, chapter 1, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. So the last days, these are the days of salvation. These are the days of of God's forgiveness, of his mercy. I think most of us think of the word last days, and we think of apocalypse. We think of, oh no, you know, these are the last days. God is coming. He's mad. You better make yourself right with Jesus. Right? Am I the only one who starts thinking like that? But that's not how Peter thinks. He sees these last days as a good thing. It's a good and glorious day. Why? Because God's will has been made known. God's salvation has been seen. It's Jesus, sweet Jesus. And we're living in the time, the last days, when salvation occurs, when God's mercy is occurring, when baptisms occur and the Lord's Supper is received. That's the time we live in, the last days, the days of God's great and glorious and wonderful salvation. Now, there's a funny thing about these last days. They've been going on a long time, haven't they? I mean, 2,000 years. And Christians have always asked that question, well, if these are the last days, then why has it lasted so long? Well, thankfully, Peter, who preached this Acts sermon, he gives us the answer in, in, 2, Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter writes these words. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, who are asking the question, why so long? With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Don't you see, we're in the last days and the reason it's lasting so long is because God wants more and more people to be saved. He wants more and more people to be brought in. He wants more and more people to become Christians. It's because of mercy. That's what the last days are. A season of mercy, a season of God's grace, a season of salvation, a season to do missions. A season to have lots of babies. I'm not announcing anything, I promise. (laughs) I'm glad, personally, that Jesus didn't come back last year. I mean, there's a lot of struggles that would mean I would not have gone through. But I'm glad Jesus didn't come back last year because I have Brenda now. And Brenda's been baptized. 
and Brenda's going to be with us forever. That's God's slowness. That's God's mercy. Bring them in. Grab them. Let them know Jesus. It's the last days. That's what Peter's saying. It's the day of God's salvation. Tell the world. Young people have babies. Baptize them. Fill the kingdom up. It's the last days. These are the last days. In the last days, Peter says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit. Now, I love that word pour. In many ways, it's a word play because the crowd thinks, hey, have they been drinking too much, pouring too much spirit? It's like, no, 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 no. God's been doing the pouring. And in Hebrew, that word pouring is to lavish. It's not to drop the Holy Spirit, but to open the heavens like the flood and to allow the Holy Spirit to pour upon his people, to, to, to fill them up, to saturate them. In fact, it's what Titus speaks about in Titus chapter 3 when he says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly, abundantly, lavishly, through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Or Romans 5.5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In the last days, Peter says, that God says, I will pour out my Spirit. Not little drops, but to lavish, to pour it upon you. And why is this important? Because there's so many of us who think that we have just a little bit of the Holy Spirit in us. As if God would just go, oh, here's a little drop. And that we need to somehow get more of it. I remember my sister-in-law who called me on the phone one time and said, Russ, my friend told me I do not have the Holy Spirit. And I sat there and the first thought was, well, get rid of your friend, you know. <laughs> and then I thought, you know, Christians are so mean to each other. I mean, this is how we insult each other, not by saying mean names, but to say, instead by saying, well, you don't have the Holy Spirit. I mean, we're so mean that way. I don't know. I just, it's terrible. But my response to her was this. It was simply, I said, are you baptized? She said, yes. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. I said, the Holy Spirit did that. The Holy Spirit's upon you. The Holy Spirit is with you. You have the Holy Spirit. And she said, that easy? And I said, yes. It's God's grace. It's his mercy. It's his love. Of course it's that easy. But then she asked the real question. I think the question behind everything. Well, why don't I feel it? Why don't I experience the Holy Spirit in my life? She said, because I don't. And again, you know, you never ask me questions because my mind goes all over the place. 
because I, I, I wanted to say, well, you know, sometimes I only experience the Holy Spirit when I'm eating jalapenos, but that's a different... <laughs> but I thought about it instead, and I didn't say that. And I realized what she wanted. She wanted an experience with the Spirit, and I knew what she was doing. She was turning in and saying, if I prayed enough and read enough, then I would get this experience. And it's focused in this way. And I realized that if I gave her any kind of step to do, it would only get more turned in on herself, of which that's the exact opposite of what the Holy Spirit does. So God in wisdom gave me these words and said, if you want to experience the Holy Spirit, then tell people about Jesus. Because when you tell people about Jesus you'll experience the Holy Spirit. Well, I really feel it? It's like, I never said you'll feel it. I just said you'll experience the Holy Spirit. Because when you're standing in front of someone and talking to them about Jesus, and you realize, I have no idea what I'm saying, I don't really have a lot of wisdom here, but that person seems to be believing, that's not me doing it. That must really be the Holy Spirit. Or after you've made a whole mess of things talking and you leave and you go, oh God, I really blew it. And the next day they call you on the phone and said, thank you for those words. Thank you for those words. God touched me deeply with those words. And then you realize, wow. <laughs> That's how God works, doesn't he? That's what the Holy Spirit does. If you want to experience the Holy Spirit, tell people about Jesus. Tell your neighbors. Tell the people you would rather not tell. You'll experience the Holy Spirit. If you instead want to feel something inside, then my solution is jalapenos. So. <laughs> In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. on all people. This is the day of Pentecost. We're reading in Acts 2. Who have gathered on that day? And Frank, you were doing a great job reading about all those names of people, all those funny names. It's like you never want to be the reader of Scripture on Pentecost Sunday. Persia and Pamphylia and Cappadocia. and I mean, the whole world had gathered that day from east to west, north, and south. The whole known world had come. And God pours out his spirit on all people, not just Israelites, but the Gentiles as well, on us. The Holy Spirit isn't reserved for just a select few. God pours an abundant pour of his Spirit upon all people. In fact, Ephesians 3, 4 through 6, the Apostle Paul says this, In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has been now revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through one gospel, 
The Gentiles are heirs, together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. That's the mystery. That's what the Holy Spirit's pouring upon all the people is doing. That's what the day of, the, of Pentecost is about, is that the gospel of Jesus Christ, God's love, is not just for Israel, it's for everyone. It's for sinners, it's for the unclean Gentiles, it's for you, it's for me. Think even about that very day. Who are the people hearing it? Not just people from all over the world, but also residents of Jerusalem. The very residents who 50 days earlier yelled, crucify, crucify. They are the ones who are receiving the Holy Spirit. And if they can get the Holy Spirit, those who actually murdered Jesus, then boy, we have, we're in luck. And that's what this day is about. God is gracious on this day. God is pouring the Holy Spirit, lavishing the Holy Spirit upon all people, foreigners, Gentiles, as well as Israel, sinners who killed Jesus, as well as us. That's what this day is about. It's the day of salvation, the day of God's mercy, when God graciously pours out His Spirit upon all people to make believers out of them, to make you a believer. In fact, I'm reminded of the catechism, and I wish I could say I had it memorized. I had it memorized once, and I always seem to forget it, so I have to always pick this up and, and read it some more to put it back in my head. And when, in the fall, I'm going to, here's a short advertisement. In the fall, I've ordered a bunch of these. I'm going to give each of you these so you can start picking them up and remembering the small catechism. I won't put you in front of the whole congregation asking questions. <laughs> I'd like to put it in your hands again so you can remember it. But it's the third article of the Creed where Luther talks about God doing this very thing, that the Holy Spirit calls us to faith, makes believers out of us. And Luther writes this, I believe that by my own understanding or strength, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But instead, the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel. Good. Enlightened me with his gifts, made me holy, and kept me in the true faith. Just as he calls, gathers, enlightens, and makes holy the Christian church on earth. I think I just skipped a, and kept me in the truth. I skipped a line, I'm sorry. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He makes us holy. How does he make us holy? By making us believers. How does he make us believers? Through the word. And that's why Peter's preaching on that day. And that's why the Holy Spirit's been given to the church to empower our witness. So that if we want to experience the Holy Spirit, share the message about Jesus to your neighbor. And watch them come to faith. That's the day of Pentecost. And yet there's still so much more to this day. So many wonderful things about this day. 
because it's the Spirit who has to do this work. Because way back in Genesis 1, it was the Spirit that hovered over creation. And when God spoke that word, it's the Holy Spirit that zinged that word to create the world. And now on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's coming down, empowering Peter to create his church. And it's the Holy Spirit that in Genesis, that drove Adam and Eve out of the garden. Why? So that the Holy Spirit would drive us to Jesus, and then we had to have access to the tree of life and the healing of the nations. And it's the Holy Spirit that drove the people, dispersed the people in the Tower of Babel, changing their language because they were trying to reach God. And now it's the Holy Spirit who comes down to us, uniting our language so that we would know God. And still even deeper, Adam, when he was created, God had to breathe into Adam the breath of life, the Holy Spirit, so that Adam would live. And God has had to watch since the fall all of us give up our last breath and be put into the ground. But it's the Holy Spirit who is sent to breathe new life in us, eternal life, so that we would live forever. That's what this day is about. God's mercy, his salvation, his love that creates a new people, that empowers their witness, that raises them from the dead. That's what this day is about. No wonder the crowd said, they must be drunk. They must be drunk to believe that God would, would simply pour out his spirit upon all people. They must be drunk to believe that the waters of baptism can do so much. They must be drunk to think that God is actually working because there's so much evil in the world. They must be drunk to say that salvation comes through Jesus. And our reply is, well, yes, we are. We are drunk with the new wine that Jesus gives us, the wine of the Holy Spirit, the wine that is freely poured out upon us, upon you and me in the waters of holy baptism, the new wine of his love to empower us and strengthen us and point us to that new day. That's what Pentecost is all about. And so happy Pentecost. In Jesus' name, amen.